0: This is a Squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm
1: Claire Kimball.
0: It's Thursday the 2nd of November. In your Squiz today... Pakistan forces Afghans out, getting out of Gaza, another rate rise is forecast and calling Australia home. This is your Squiz today. This story's flown a little bit under the radar with all the big international news happening as of late, but today's the day that Pakistan will begin arresting and deporting foreign nationals who have been living there without documentation. And, Claire, the biggest group of people who are affected by that are Afghans.
1: Yeah, there's said to be about 1.7 million undocumented Afghans in Pakistan. They fled their home country over the past four decades. There's been that recent influx after the Taliban Retook control of Afghanistan in 2021. But of course, this goes back to the time even when Russia invaded Afghanistan back in the 80s. And the reason that Pakistan's government is evicting undocumented residents, it's linked to tensions with the Taliban. There's been a big rise in crime in Pakistan this year, particularly along that northwestern border with Afghanistan. And Pakistan believes that it's domestic militant group. Which has ties to the Taliban is behind the attacks that have been happening.
0: And that's really set the wheels in motion for this. Close to 200,000 Afghans have already returned to Afghanistan, according to officials. But for those who remain in Pakistan, the government says deportations will be done in phases.
1: Yeah, and they're going to start with people they say have criminal records. Human rights groups, though, are very worried about what's going to happen to people returning to Afghanistan. They've called for the order to be cancelled. The United Nations says that it's another human rights catastrophe in the making and they're very worried about women, children, journalists, ex-government officials and human rights activists. They say they're particularly at risk if they do return home.
0: Afghanistan's Taliban government have called the situation unacceptable, but it has claimed that it will set up basic services for those returning. Despite that, there are concerns for Afghans who are going home, so it is a story to keep an eye out for. The first group of people in Gaza have been allowed to leave in the past few hours. Reports say that 335 foreign nationals and 76 injured Gazans have passed through the Rafah border crossing into Egypt after it opened. It's not clear yet if any Aussies were in that group, Claire, but our consular officials say they've contacted the Aussies they know are in Gaza and they've told them to try and get out.
1: Yeah, advice from our government to those people is to seize the opportunity to depart Gaza, provided that they deem it safe to do so. It'll be the first time since the 7th of October Hamas attacks on Israel that people in Gaza have been allowed out. Our government reckons there are 88 Australian citizens permanent residents and their families who are trapped in Gaza.
0: And Claire, the other big story from that region is that the Israeli military said an airstrike on the biggest refugee camp in Gaza could not be avoided. They say they were targeting Hamas and its vast underground tunnel complex. That strike is said to have killed at least 50 people. PM Anthony Albanese's barely home from the US and he's already off to China this weekend. And while he's there, the family of Aussie writer Yang Hengjun really want Albanese to raise his detention with China's president, Xi Jinping.
1: Yeah, so Dr Yang's been in a Chinese prison without charge for four years now. There are concerns about his health, particularly a kidney cyst that they say isn't being treated. His sons say that consular officials from Australia were allowed Allowed to visit him last week, and they found that he was largely bedridden. So they've told Albanese that they're worried that he might die from calculated medical neglect. Uh, his sons also say that they were inspired when journalist Chang Lei was released last month, and they're very hopeful that the Prime Minister, and this is the quote, can achieve a second miracle by saving our father.
0: Albanese's promised to bring up Yang's case with the Chinese leaders while he's there. And Uyghur, Tibetan and Hong Kong groups in Oz are also pushing Albanese to raise China's treatment of their communities, which they say amounts to crimes against humanity. (laughs) Anyone with a mortgage has probably heard the forecasts for at least one more rate rise this year and the possibility of that happening next Tuesday is firming up.
1: Yep, next Tuesday of course is Melbourne Cup Day. It's when the race that stops the nation is on but (laughs) the one that many will have their eye on is of course the Reserve Bank Board Meeting Day. It's going to decide whether to raise the 4.1% cash rate that is currently in place at that meeting. Um, Yesterday the the International Monetary Fund weighed in, the IMF. It says that it's time for the rate to go up again. It's concerned that we've got stubborn inflation, we've got low unemployment and also high home prices. They say that they're all signs that the Australian economy is still running just a bit too hot.
0: And you mentioned the rising house prices, Claire. CoreLogic released new data on that yesterday, which says home values across the country are on track to hit a record high. And if you're after a tip for next Tuesday, all of Australia's big four banks reckon the Reserve Bank will lift the cash rate.
1: Yeah, not quite the tip I'm looking for, but I'm sure that's (laughs) helpful nonetheless.
0: Shout out to any Nepalese Aussies who are listening. The Bureau of Stats has released new data that shows Nepalese are the fastest-growing group of overseas-born residents in Oz.
1: Yeah, and in fact, people from Nepal have almost caught up with Italians who call Australian (laughs) home. So it's quite a few of them. The data says that the number has surged from 30,000 10 years ago to more than 150,000 Nepalese in Australia today. Uh, England is still our biggest source of migrants, though. 961 POMs are in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When it comes to people from India, 754,000, then followed by people from China and, of course, our cuzzy bros over the ditch, the Kiwis, they come in uh, a little bit more than 500,000. And as for where migrants are living, Western Australia has the proportion of the most overseas-born residents. 34% of people living in WA were born overseas. Tasmania has the least at 16%.
0: Some official health stats about Aussies also came out yesterday. The data looks at some of our less-than-optimal health habits, and it reckons that smoking is still the leading cause of cancer for Aussies, and cannabis is the most widely used illicit drug. (laughs) Alcohol consumption has also remained pretty stable for the last 30 years, with wine the top drink of choice for Aussies, followed by beer – and I reckon that probably means a white wine if you and Kate have anything to say about it, Claire.
1: Yeah, although we disagree on what sort of white wine. Kate <laughs> likes a Chardonnay, I like a Sauvignon Blanc, and never the Twain shall meet, I think. <laughs>
0: And just before we go, our colleagues over at Squiz Kids have done a podcast with our former PM, Julia Gillard.
1: Yeah, so she sat down to answer questions from the kids of Australia. It's a very special Squiz Kids Q&A and she talks about things like life in an Adelaide migrant camp, um, also her earliest memories of school. But mostly she gives kids a G up to dream big (laughs) because she never thought that a migrant kid could become the Prime Minister of Australia. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, maybe one of those kids who migrated to Oz that we just spoke about could do it one day too. And that wraps us up today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Sheehan, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation.
1: What is happening is that, it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50 and that, that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. <laughs> no. And so when you're talking about a dress that's yeah. sort of an equivalent price, people equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, you don't need to wear it again.
0: To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.